0: On the line, she's a senior lecturer, she's a lecturer, she's also a trainer with an interest in gender, race and health and how they intersect. Her name, yeah, must be familiar with this name. She's Ms. Pilani, who wrote a piece on femicide fatigue and she's joining us on the line as we ask the question, do people get tired of hearing about, gender, about the femicide and what do we do? when we reach this stage if we ever and what impact can this have in the fight uh, to curb gender-based violence in our society a pleasure to say top of the morning to our sponsors thank you so much for waking up so early happy monday
1: happy monday to you too thank you for having me
0: Mangla. are you well
1: i'm well as one can be during a global pandemic and this
0: uh-huh. Hey, hey, it's rough, man. It's rough. <laughs> rough man. So, hey, in yeah. your piece, you, you describe your first encounter with the GBV to be in the most uh, brutal of manners at an early age. Um, and of course, this we know is the reality, uh, the reality for most people. Many of us grow up around it and perhaps become desensitized. But uh, do we really get uh, fatigued by this?
1: So, you know, when I, uh, when I titled the piece, feminist I mean, Side Critique, it was just from the point of view of uh, the fact that we go through this every year or every, like once in a few months, you know, like where there is a high profile case of uh, usually a young woman who dies and who dies at the hands of their partner, and how we go through the rage. And kind of like, I guess, the five stages of grief uh, in some way or the other. And then, like, for the next two weeks, um, the media is kind of, like, concentrated with other articles or, in, like, in case of, like, a woman being um, got brutalized or killed or abused uh, in, like, during that time. And so we see kind of, like, this back and forth. And that's, I think... It's not necessarily the the actual same side, like the killing of women that is fatigue like that that induces fatigue, but it is kind of like the cyclic reactions that we are in you no, know? and that we constantly we like a hamster like on a wheel and nothing really changes as we go through the outrage and um the cases or the the, the situations we hear about become even more brutal or we find an element of them that's even more brutal than the last one and it's just over and over again like that and when I start the piece by mentioning the incident in in my family where an uncle uh, killed himself and his wife it was because of that like it's been happening since I was nine years old the cycle of shock, of um anger, of um saying, enough is enough, not in my name. We can't be here anymore and then it dies out. And when it dies out, it doesn't mean women stop dying at the hands of men or men stop killing women, you know. It just continues until the cycle is exhausting because there's no solutions. Um and it's also exhausting because I am a woman in this country and um, I, look, you know, the question of, am I next? You know, what is it that has protected me or that has, uh, made me, uh, survive long enough not to be a statistic? And kind of like, that's what's exhausting and not necessarily the fact that these crimes are happening is that they continue to happen and nothing changes. And almost more than 20 years since, the first encounter, which is actually, in my opinion, not even a brutal experience because I think the brutal experience is a lot of nine-year-old girls, um, you know, like research shows that the older young girls become uh, in South Africa, like the closer they get to age where they're dating, uh, the risk profile to being abused, to being killed by a male partner increases. So by the time... Uh, young girl is about, and usually young black girl is about 14, her risk profile for being murdered or abused or dying at the hands of somebody that they're in an intimate relationship with increases drastically. And so, you know, like that is what is tiring and not necessarily that one doesn't care about what's happening anymore. It's just that it's so
0: normalized. Yeah. In your case the way it was dealt with, when you look back, was it dealt according dealt with accordingly, properly to your satisfaction, or it could have been done better?
1: How do you the question is how do you deal with explaining to a family, explaining to young children in a family that somebody they considered a family member, like in this case an uncle, has murdered somebody? Like what is the appropriate response to that, you know, how do you, I I don't know, I can't particularly say it was dealt with in a correct or an incorrect manner, because I was also nine years old, so it's not as if, you know, I was, I remember it happening, it's not, like, I think one of the things that I'm kind of, like, very grateful with, it's something that particularly my parents talk about openly. And it's not in it's not this family secret that, you know, we I don't know about. And perhaps maybe thinking to how it's it's not like obviously the thing that comes up at Christmas lunch, you know, or Easter or at a family gathering. But it's also not something that's been kept a secret that it's happened in, in our family. And so perhaps sometimes it's you know, like when I think about it and when I think about it Um, I was particularly thinking about it during this time because just before the lockdown, I was home, and it came up speaking to um, a great aunt of mine and my grandmother and my mother and another family member. And, and, you know, um, I think it was the first time as an adult I was asking for details. And I think that's why it was so visual as kind of like the Pile story was so... um, like was in the news cycle so much wow. and I was trying not to think about it, you know, like, uh, like, I don't know if I say it in the piece, but I, like, I tried very hard not to engage in kind of like the recent state of violence because I just didn't want to, we're going through a global pandemic. I was tired. I was just, I felt very emotionally drained until news 24 approached me and asked if I could write about it. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Let me see if I can write. Um, and so it's, what is, like, the question is, what is an appropriate way? It's been happening for so long. Um, you know, even in terms of policy, you ask yourself, what is the appropriate response government should have? And, um, it's a very difficult question, I think. And, and it seems like quite easy, like, governments, like the states, obviously should arrest perpetrators. And, you know, but for me, it's, again, the fact that the violence is so ingrained in our society. So it's, it's it's not just about the fact that the crime happens or kind of like women are killed or men kill women in this way. It's that we live in a society that kind of encourages that behavior from a very young age. Uh, I write about how young girls are taught that when a boy likes you, they tease you and maybe they push you around. And, you know, like there's this kind of level of a boy likes you, Therefore, they do certain things, and so if we are young, if we have children or we are young children ourselves, and already at the age of six, seven, we're kind of ingrained that men show affection to us in a violent way. Why are we then shocked, yeah. fifteen years later, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. the violent way is there?
0: But if if you were to def- define femicide uh, fatigue, what what would you say? Uh, to anyone and uh, do you think uh, as a country we've reached that stage uh, i
1: think um, I think as a country on a very individual and and like, like collective level, we reach it at different points right so for instance, acting person I was like fatigued like I've just explained earlier on about like what was like fatiguing or what was tiring about it this time around and then i think uh, it gets overwhelming and i think yes and the answer is yes and no i think so africa is in a case where you know you think back to kind of like the early 90s where like before the soul city and that kind of like education that those programs had um domestic violence was kind of very normalized in society i like And it still is because it's still happening, but there's a kind of shame that is attached to it now for the people who abuse people, the abusers, that wasn't there, let's say, 10 years ago. And so uh, it is the fatigue that has led to this kind of very um, visceral and very no-nonsense approach, and the fact that we do not accept it as much as it was maybe accepted a few decades ago. So... Fatigue functions in a negative and a positive way. What it does is it can desensitize us because uh, we're just hearing the same story over and over again. Mm. And it might just feel just normal. But it also can, like, you know, fatigue is also enough is enough. I can't live like this. I don't want to wake up and not feel safe. That's also That can be fatigue, you know. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it is only human nature. Like, rather for me, you know, having covered gender-based violence for so long, and having, you know, like, living in this country as a woman for so long, Um, I think particularly women are allowed to be fatigued because we're fatigued by our reality and not something that is abstract from our everyday, right? That's Um, so it's, the fatigue is, is, is more, severe and saying, like, again, it's the, when, when is, when is it going to hit home? When is it going to happen so close to home? The other day, I was reflecting, you know, I was like, somebody I went to high school with, I'm training 30 this year, Um, about eight years ago, was gunned down by her boyfriend, and, and, he killed himself as well. I, like, Why was this happening to somebody my age, somebody I went to high school with, somebody I was in class with about eight years ago? She was, what, 22? We were 22 at that time. And her life ended at 22, And, like, for me, like, you know, when it happened, it was very, like, oh, oh my gosh. And, like, now reflecting on it, has been, like, it's been ages. It was her birthday the other day, and so Facebook kind of, like, reminded. And because of, again, the cycle that's happening right now around GBV and genocide, a lot of people who went to high school was, were posting on a Facebook wall and, like, kind of, like, commemorating um, her passing
0: in her life. And- Ponsa, if, if I may ask, as uh, you, you were looking at... Uh fatigue on the positive would you say that you you would want this fatigue to be um to galvanize people to say if you are tired of hearing this then do something about it
1: i think you know i wouldn't want to be that prescriptive because i think um especially again you know i wrote this piece from a perspective of being a woman who is statistically, uh, like, in danger of being a femicide statistic, like, in fact. So, for me, it was really just reflecting on... It wasn't a call to action. It wasn't a, let's do something. It was just a, geez, I'm tired of this, you know. I'm tired of living fear. I'm tired of the trauma around us as women and seeing just, like, this... Life, I'm tired of seeing children grow up and it's not being different because of how they're being socialized. And it's not like a call to action or anything. It was just really saying, we're back here again. When are we going to be here again? You know, I'm currently reading Sunny map and incidentally enough um, a book by Dr. Nahama Brody. She just finished her PhD last year on. Um, She looked at how the media reports on femicide, and the book is titled uh, Femicide in South Africa, you know. And so essentially, like, she looks at... um, I kind of... I bought it on Saturday, actually, and I'm, like, almost halfway through it. I spent most of the weekend reading it. And she looks at just, like, the history of femicide in this country, how racialized it is, whose cases become... uh, Prominent in the media space. How does how do we as journalists report on it? How 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 do we also kind of like in our reporting with the intention to help? How do we kind of do harm mm. and all of this stuff? And and for me, it's it's that it's like sometimes we're not like as a journalist as a writer, we don't say things or write things for a call to actually write them because they need to be out there. And that piece that I wasn't. It was a cathartic experience for me to, like, haven't been stuck in this kind of avoidance of this cycle of femicide and just being, like, really sitting with my feelings and my thoughts and kind of, like, where I was mentally and emotionally about it. So I don't want to prescribe it to be a call to action. It is just a state in which I found myself in and is from kind of like the reactions of God when people writing and emailing, people were like, yo, I feel this, this is I felt so guilty about not caring about, not caring about this other woman, that other woman, and it's not that I and mean, you know like saying, it's not that I didn't care it's just that I am tired that this is the reality that women, particularly black women, face in this country.
0: But, do you think we can turn this around and not necessarily be tired? and Just find <laughs> new ways of, you know, keeping at it, talking about it, also with the challenges now with COVID 19?
1: I don't know. That's a tough question, you know. I mean, you look at yeah, that's a very hard question. And I, it's, I don't think, I don't think we will all be collectively tired. I don't think there'll ever be a point where everyone is just like, I can't fight anymore. I don't want to fight. This needs to end, right? I think, again, it's cyclic and it depends on kind of like the state that we're in. But I think one thing is that, um workshops from governments are not going to work. We need kind of like policies in place that are Actively fighting against uh, gender-based violence, we need a justice system that is set up to encourage and to ensure that you know uh, cases are reported in a way and that women can report cases and not feel victimized. And you know, we need hospitals that when if I come in and I've been raped, I can get a rape without being asked too many questions, but the get yes, post-traumatic yes. counseling. You know, so it's. Those are the things that matter. It's not being tired. It's are we living in a society? Are we living in a system, in a country that enables, one, the protection of women against this, right? Uh, through kind of like how we're socialized. But two, when it happens, because maybe we can't stop it from happening, um, the, the systems that are put in place protect or ensure that justice is served.
0: So it's a very ex- tough one. 10 minutes to 5 o'clock we're talking to Award winning health journalist uh, Bonso Pilani. we talk a lot more GBV, it's got to be on the uh, uh, Top of the agenda Every day Join us for the Taste Master Tuesday evening at 7.30 As 8 finalists are down to 7 And headed for the wine country To master farm to fork seasonal dining The challenge to make fresh honey the hero of an unbeatable dish, win over Judges Zola Nene and Gregory Zarniki and make it to the final six of the Taste Master. That's Tuesday evening at 7.30 on SABC3. Hear something disturbing? Disturbing? We, the members of the National Association of Broadcasters, have never said this before. Never even suggested that you turn down your radio. But the world has changed, and so we need to listen harder. All of us. GBV.org.z8 is there. So if something's happening next door, nearby, or right next to you, turn down your radio. Listen. Act. We'll be right here when you're done. N- and eight minutes at two, five o'clock, Bonsapiliani, our guest on the line, uh, courtesy of COVID-19, she would have been here in person. Our sponsor, what mm. are the chances of someone like you who's got uh, so much influence and power and all of that organizing a roundtable where all of us can actually start talking about this honestly uh, to say if we suspect that uh, we're getting to... Uh, The level of fatigue and we don't take as much interest and we don't talk about this as much. We can sit together and, you know, let temperatures rise and cool and come out there with uh, some kind of a way to do things.
1: So I think there's a lot of people, like a lot of activists for years who have been doing this work, right? And, um, we have a lot of collectives, coalitions, NGOs, and, and individuals and, you know, civil society organizations that are doing, constantly doing this work. And, um, I think more what's needed is really kind of like, uh, maybe a more organized collaboration for this kind of work to be done and to be discussed. And I think it's happening on a, on, on, a, like on some scale in this country. I mean, if you think of back to kind of 2018, August, the total shutdown March, the JC March last year in Samson, and just the constant kind of like activists pushing the fact that um, we've been asking for a national strategic plan on gender-based violence and femicide for years, and we had the first uh, summit two years ago as well. So you can see the progress or there is some level of progress that's, that's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's that continued push from different sides. So the kind of like the academics are doing their work by doing the research. You know, the journalists, and myself included, kind of doing their work of responsibly reporting on these issues and then kind of like the activists being on the ground and and, and, and working in the communities and then no and the state doing its work, which yes. is protecting its citizens.
0: <laughs> How do we get in touch with you? Because uh, this is only the beginning. We've got lots more to talk about. How do we get in touch with you?
1: Well, me specifically. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. I mean, Twitter is the easiest way to kind of like get in touch with anyone right now in the world uh, because of social distancing and the fact that we can't be, we shouldn't be (laughs) uh, gathering anywhere rather. Um, And so that's where you'd find me. Um, And, um, yeah, just like, I think for me, it's like, you know, when people ask, what can I do? I always say, what is happening in your community? What is the actions that particularly women in your community or around you are already doing? That is yeah. in support of ending Femicide and gender based violence Go support that Is there a home that needs someone to come clean Or help with the cooking Or the washing Like, Do what you can
0: in, in your space Well, it's a sponsor Sorry, It's Sponsor Pilani on Twitter Yes, that is correct Rockstar, our sponsor once again Many thanks for doing the work that you do And for waking us up uh, Power to your <laughs> hands And uh, enjoy Savings Month Thank you. Uh,
1: You also, thank you, Mandla, for having me. It's always a pleasure um, talking to you. And also, yeah, it's always, I think because I wake up so early, it never feels like a chore to be up (laughs) this early. So thank you and have a great week. You too, ma'am.
0: Lovely. Thank you, Ponsa Pilani. And you can find her on Twitter for more. She's the award-winning journalist. She's covered quite a number of stories in as far as health is concerned.